I think this is totally fair that uh, people are, well, not only skeptical, but uh, <laughs> kind of pushing it away. Yeah, so we do have practical value proposition uh, to the municipality in terms of, of, of how, they how much benefit they would monetary gain uh, over the operating period of, of, the, of the plan. Did you know that there are half a million metric tons of nuclear waste temporarily stored at hundreds of sites worldwide? In the U.S. alone, one in three people live within 50 miles of a storage site. No country has yet successfully disposed of commercial spent nuclear fuel, but it's not for lack of a solution. So what's the delay? The answers are complex and controversial. In this series, we explore the nuclear waste issue with people representing various pieces of this complicated puzzle. We hope this podcast will give you a clearer picture of nuclear waste, the whole story. We believe that listening is an important element of a successful nuclear waste disposal program. A core company value is to seek and listen to different perspectives. Opinions expressed by the interviewers and their subjects are not necessarily representative of the company. If there's a topic discussed in the podcast that is unfamiliar to you, or you'd like to more closely review what was said, please see the show notes at deepisolation.com slash podcasts. Hello, my name is Elizabeth Muller. I'm the CEO of Deep Isolation. I'm here today with Kalev Kalamets, who is the CEO of Fermi Energia, and really happy to have him. And maybe I'll let you introduce yourself, Kalev. Yeah, my name is Kalev uh, from uh, Estonia, and uh, we're uh, yeah, trying to do a small modular reactor deployment in Estonia, uh, latitude 59. And we right now have uh, minus 15 degrees outside, so we really need heat and, and yes. electricity. Yes. What, what, what first got you interested in nuclear? Uh, I was studying economics in, uh, that is uh, quite a long time ago, uh, at the master's level. And um, uh, I did a master's thesis on listing of uh, publicly owned companies. And one of the biggest is the government owned utility, which was engaged in a Lithuan Lithuanian nuclear power plant project. And I was curious about the economics of nuclear energy. And it turned out that, uh, like I said also in a podcast to Brett Kugelmas, that the, the, the economics of, of nuclear energy is really fantastic. So two, 20 years, you're paying down the, the capital cost. And after that, from 20 to 60 years, which is the case with uh, most um, older reactors, your cost is really much, much lower and it's effectively like printing money. And um, how is Fermi Energia looking to bring nuclear or advanced nuclear to, to Europe? Yeah, so um, first up, I, I would uh, qualify uh, also Gen 3 plus as uh, advanced compared to uh, second generation plants that don't have passive safety systems. So uh, yeah, we, we are a small country in, in Estonia. Uh, we are basically a, a common system with uh, two other Baltic nations, Lithuania and Latvia. So about a total of uh, uh, something like uh, 5 million population and uh, like roughly 30 million terawatt, uh, 30 terawatt hour consumption. So not a big place. 
and we can't do large nuclear and uh, also from greed perspective and and the cost perspective that's prohibitive uh, and that that was also demonstrated in the lithuanian project that, uh, that and there's so vast complexity in the large nuclear deployment project but if you have a smaller project that is much more manageable and uh, and that you can approach it with a, with a private capital angle and um, yeah, we are uh, currently are in the European Union and we have CO2 pricing and today the CO2 price breached 40 mm. euros per ton, mm. meaning uh, something like uh, close to $50 per ton. Mm. And that's, I mean, with that price, all of coal would be shut down in the United States. Mm. Uh, and, and I mean, and it has to happen also in, in Europe uh, eventually, uh, actually in 15 years. Um, and, and our current government has decided to shut down oil shale, which is the predominant fuel in, in, for power generation in Estonia, to shut it down in 15 years. Mm -hmm. So we have to do a uh, baseload that is, is really dispatchable, and we have to. So uh, we don't know any other alternatives. Yeah. And um, what is the hardest part of your, your work? Yeah, the complexity of it. Uh, so. Um, it's not just about technology. It's just not about the, uh, the economics. Uh, it's that many, many issues are happening at the same time. You had to be the top of your game on energy economics, technology, I mean, mean nuclear technology, but also the waste issue, international cooperation, politics, I mean, domestic politics, energy policy, geopolitics, communication, team building, financing. And I mean, the list goes on. So it's... Uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. And why did you decide to do this through a startup company rather than through other methods? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's the best question, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, we started up talking with the Estonian government on utility, and, but they said, uh, this is not our strategy. Our strategy is the mainstream thing, which is doing windmills and, and solar. Uh, and... Uh, and uh, keeping the existing fossil plants running, and uh, and also obviously the politicians they don't have um, like normally uh, the vision of 15 years. Uh, what is they're thinking about the next elections, and uh, which is kind of natural. But and I've been member of parliament, so I know. Um, uh, so I thought, and I have the practical experience also working within the government that if you are able to make a concrete proposal, which is actionable, timetable. Uh, budgetary and and uh, has meaningful uh, positive impact to the society and uh, the alternative is to doing nothing then sometimes if you're lucky and have good timing and everything works in your favor you might get a positive uh, outcome so we thought we'd give a try and we have a, in Estonia culture of actually having uh, multiple multiple success globally successful technology companies. Well, I wouldn't say we're a Silicon Valley or something like that. That is would be uh, too exorbitant. But uh, yes, we, we do have uh, some companies that have been successful, uh, some openness to technology, ability to learn and, and, um, and execute and uh, raise money. And uh, what are the longer term goals for the company? Are you going to stop at Estonia or are you also looking at other locations? Yeah, um, Estonia first. So what I'm aiming to do, I'm so enthused what you're doing, uh, Elizabeth, is, is bringing the best product to the market. And you have a best product on the waste issue. I want to have a 
best product on a nuclear energy deployment service like product yeah. and uh, that's what we are aiming to do and uh, i see a market opening in wider europe for multiple multiple projects but nuclear is a very long term thing it's a, like a glacier but um, if we start, get, get get going we we think we're good so you mentioned the nuclear waste issue. Um, is that a big concern in in Estonia? And and what do people think the, the the right thing to do is? Yeah, absolutely. The Simpson series has been so successful, <laughs> in in and we are we have been uh, uh, doing uh, many uh, surveys among uh, the population, and even the accident risk doesn't play as strong as the concern about the waste. Somehow there is perception that it's a kind of gaseous thing that kind of emits, goes somewhere and moves somehow and is kind of mobile. So, uh, which is kind of very easy thing to refute. So, so in many ways, it looks like you're you're actually doing the responsible thing by by talking about and, and by planning for the nuclear waste disposal before you've created a reactor in the first place. Um, is is anybody else thinking like that or is it mostly a legacy problem uh yeah it's probably a legacy problem but my my background also led me to think about it immediately is that i'm a kind of weird person that i've been in so many places and uh, i've been a founder of estonian geological uh survey uh government agency when i worked in the ministry of economic affairs and uh, I know about Estonian geology, even though I'm an economist by training. Yeah. And I knew that we have a, a solid bedrock that is the same bedrock that uh, uh, Finland and, and Sweden has. So my presumption was that it should be possible in on Estonian territory to, to have determined the locations or areas where um, a bed, the bedrock is, is a safe environment for deep, deep uh, isolation solution so and, and I'm, I'm pretty pleased to to see that confirmed now of course we've just published a, a joint piece of work um, on the ge geology of Estonia and how it could potentially be a suitable um, solution for for nuclear waste disposal what what's next what 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 is coming up and what are the next steps to move forward yeah um, like with any study I think the the rational thing even is is to do uh, uh, and the, what what really happens is that uh, the the reports are looked at skeptically, mm. and uh, I and I think the government is well advised that they would review from third sources uh, that they would <laughs> read the report carefully first and then uh, consult with uh, third party consultants from uh, International Atomic Energy Agency and other, um, um, let's say, international partners on uh, the details. Mm -hmm. And I would, I'm pretty confident that they find uh, the satisfactory, satisfactory uh, confirmations that the deep, deep borehole solution has very strong potential. And then the, the rational thing is to, if the government decides to move ahead with the SMR uh, consideration option, first planning and then other steps, uh, then a strategy should be developed and, um, uh, and then permitting that uh, would, when, when we would go into actual construction permitting of the SMR deployment, 
there would be uh, also at the same time, uh, how to say, permitting for specific action plan with dates, budgets, organizationary arrangements, legal arrangements in place to make sure when, who, where, how the, the spent fuel is being uh, the, taken care of uh, safely for the public. And if you have that, I, I think it is, yeah, it's a very good product. And, and what about stakeholder engagement and community consultation? How, how and when would that happen? Oh, all the time. That has to happen all the time. I, I was uh, just on the, on the phone with uh, some folks in the region that I know already uh, first name basis and uh, like inofficial meetings uh meeting at after after work and and discussing like openly honestly um we have a in estonia because we are such a small small nation we uh, it's uh, we have a very unofficial way how we just talk with each other mm. so uh, it's kind of small family so you feel like you're already on the path to to gaining the trust of the people who will be impacted yeah, I've been I've been actually working in this Viruma area uh, for a better half of uh, uh, of my working life, and I yeah I know many people there. Well, it's more than one thousand kilometers away from Chernobyl, so the, this this accident definitely is something that we need to address, mm -hmm. and and uh, the concerns related to um, potential of of hazard to the population and and all capability. Uh, to develop as a uh, as a organize, operating uh, organization in the future, uh, and also the basic know-how about uh, SMR technologies that we are uh, currently considering. So there is some, and, and what is the procedure of of actually uh, regulating, permitting? Uh, what are the political decision points? And and obviously, like I explained, uh, uh, rational human responses, skepticism. And um, there is a lot of talking that needs to be happening. And, uh, and, uh, and, and this is the only way that human relations do develop. And uh, you cannot assume that uh, you have a, <laughs> you, you can go in some place and uh, start building stuff. So uh, you have to get familiar with the people. Yeah. And, and what do they see is the, is the upside? What, what is it that um, is positive from perspective of stakeholders and communities and, and citizens? Yeah, I, I think that there, there definitely has to be a value proposal uh, by if you want to deploy something serious in a location. Mm -hmm. And we in Estonia call it a, like a billion dollar project. Mm -hmm. And you do not offer a value proposal to the to the people and your value proposal is you're going to have jobs some kind mm. this is like not serious this is like lying or it is like cheating or something and that at all, i think this is totally fair that the people are well not only skeptical but uh, <laughs> kind of pushing it away yeah, so we do have practical value proposition uh, to the municipality in terms of 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 how they would how much benefit they would monetary gain uh, over the operating period of, of the of the plant and also i believe that 
one benefit that the nuclear power plant is producing, power plant is producing is power. Right. So it should, <laughs> should deliver power to the people. And uh, we did done the numbers. And if the, if the municipality there, uh, the population is reasonably low, is not like tens of thousands or, or is, is le le relatively, let's say, few thousand people, it can supply free power for thousands of people. And it is absolutely possible. It, it, it doesn't impact like in a major way the, the economics. It's a much bigger problem if you neglect that issue. And then you would have the situation that you have in Kingdom of Belgium, the situation in Sweden or the situation in Germany. And that is a much bigger financial and fiduciary risk for the owner, for the whole project. And I would say for the whole society, if, if there are misalignment of, of interest. Could, could you say a little bit more about that? What do you see as the big issues in, in those locations? All right, you have massive taxation and the nuclear phase-out policies in place because there is a misalignment of, of interest. So uh, if there is a, in a society as well, if there would be very severely strong uh, misalignment of, of wealth, uh, then you would have social unrest. If, if you would have a misalignment of, um, I don't know, other interests, then then you would have a instability, inherent instability in the system. So I, I think I'm looking north to Finland, and what, there are two reasons I find why they, they are able to build uh, new nuclear power plants in Finland, even despite uh, the Chernobyl and Fukushima uh, events happening, uh, that uh, they do have wide ownership base uh, within the society and wide benefit sharing around uh, around the society like municipalities being shareholders in the nuclear power plants like tens of municipalities and also industrial companies not just some kind of a anonymous big big power company big bad ugly like uh, utility but it is owned by the people so it's not it's not like communism but it's like uh, shareholder shareholder capitalism and that really works and then at the um, Estonian sort of whole of country level, um, what do you see as the vision? If, if they're able to move forward with this reactor, how will it impact the country as a whole? Oh, oh definitely very significantly. Uh, like I said, we're population-wise uh, 1.3 million. Uh, so uh, economically, it's, it would be uh, a very substantial project to deploy uh, even two or three reactors, uh, uh, very substantial, and uh, it, it would require very significant learning for the whole society. And I, I think this, this is one of the things that excites me and why we call our company Ferminergia, because this, this is a fascinating, uh, fascinating science of, of controlling the strong, strong force and we, how, we, how we discovered this strong force and how it was like this international project and how nuclear energy continues to be, always continues to be absolutely international, like you and me speaking. Uh, and, and so it's, a, it's I love it. I, lo I love the international uh, element of it and, and bringing like truly people get together around science and knowledge and, and taking um, the, the effort, mental effort and discipline of learning and engaging deeply and seriously with other people 
And I, I, I think that this is the heart of democracy as well. And I'm very passionate about uh, our Western values, about uh, cooperation, transcend, and that manner, and, and very passionate about the uh, market economy also working uh, for the benefit of the people. So I want all of those aspects happening, and uh, then I would be very pleased to pass it on to my, my children. Well, your passion certainly comes across. Is, is there anything else that you would like to add? Yeah, I, I think I've, I've said so much. Uh, so we are, we're, we're very early in the beginning and, uh, and we're right now in the money raising period. And it's so fascinating to see new investors coming in and what we need to do nuclear and we need to cooperate with really a lot of, lot of people. So, um, and there is no one else, no one else but us to do that. I know that for a fact. So this brings a responsibility for me uh, that, that kind of uh, fate has spoken that uh, we have to do this and uh, uh, yeah, we're doing it and we have to face out fossils. We have to do it and we have to do uh, practical, smart decisions to, to have nuclear reach the potential that, um, well, maybe Isaac Asimov wrote about and, and uh, people dreamt about uh, when, when nuclear was originally developed. Well, thank you so much, Kalev. It was really wonderful talking to you. Um, I think we, we share a passion for the future. So um, really thank you and thank you for your time. Yeah, all right. All right.